Hi, I'm Rita Savasco, and I'm with Rooted in Language, and today I'm talking to Katie Elam, who is a recent friend of mine that I've met uh, through our training classes. Uh, we work out together once in a while, and Katie, why don't you tell us what you do and how life has changed a little bit lately for you? Absolutely. Hi, Rita. Good to see you in this new platform, Zoom, for me. I am a 6th, 7th, and 8th grade English language arts teacher. I teach with Centerville City Schools. Currently in my 18th year and wrapping up a little differently than we usually do. Right, and Centerville is in Ohio. So we are both in Ohio uh, and we, as I said, we work out at the same gym together. And Katie is like really buff and, and puts everyone to shame. She's always leading us in, uh, <laughs> in being the one who works out so hard. So I imagine that you are quite a hard worker in all things in life, including being a teacher, so. That is quite kind, Rita, but right back at you. Equally <laughs> a hard worker. But yes, I like to put in effort when I'm gonna do something, I may as well do my best. Right, so um, I decided to title this uh, talk that we're having today, Crossing Wires. I thought that was, uh, you know, we, we English teachers like metaphors, right? <laughs> so, of course, um, you know, anything that can have meaning on a couple levels is always good. But uh, not only are we all wired up right now as we engage in online teaching, but uh, we are crossing wires because all of a sudden, uh, at least I know all my students are all kind of in the same boat and I'm in the same boat with them, which is everybody now is learning at home, whether they were in traditional schools, um, parochial schools, private schools, homeschool, now everybody's learning at home. And I wanted to just spend some time talking to Katie because I think she has some good insights into um, teaching, uh, being a traditional uh, middle school English teacher and language arts teacher and um, now learning what this looks like for everyone, right? And I think she has good ideas too. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sounds good. I'm ready. Okay. So um, first of all, I thought something interesting you told me about your teaching situation is you stay with the same kids throughout yeah. those three grade levels. Is that correct? Can you tell me Absolutely. About that? I have approximately 25 sixth graders every year and I keep them in seventh grade and eighth grade all three years. Um, I have a teaching partner, so she's the other ELA teacher in our families. So I don't see those 75 students, but um, I do get to keep my 75 throughout and it's a very cool, opportunity, especially for middle schoolers, to gain a lot of um, camaraderie and comfortableness with, with all the students and the parents as well. Right. It gives you an opportunity, too, to feel like you're really impacting their reading and writing skills when you can work on it over three years instead of just one. The growth is amazing from sixth grade to eighth grade. You're seeing every little step along the way, appreciating their efforts, and um, really feeling good on both ends as they're heading to high school in ninth grade. Right. So how long have you been, I guess they call it online learning, distance learning. What was the third phrase? 
the, remote, um, remote. yes, remote learning, and it has been called all three by administrators as we hear from them quite often every day. Uh, we started Monday officially with our first host. We use the platform Google Classroom. So you're on day five now. We are on day five. Right. And even my post today said, congratulations, we have survived uh, five days of online learning. Mm -hmm. So what does your day look like? I still set an alarm. I wasn't sure if I would do that or not, but I'm an early riser anyway, but I went ahead and set an alarm and I immediately check in online. I set my posts to on a schedule at 7 a.m. So they post automatically. So I like to just check, make sure there aren't any um, issues with tech or the post. And then I get up and I get my own boys. I have two boys, a 13 and nine year old at home and I get them breakfast. And then I do another quick check-in and then I work out. I um, have found that that's a nice way to start my day before I finally sit down for two solid hours and start responding to students. Um, then we have lunchtime. I start um, a little bit of time with my boys, make a plan for the next day, um, get my post ready. And then I have another block of two hours where I'm responding to the students. So our students, um, they're like, they have a certain classroom that they check in on and then they will, um, post their work, and then you respond to their work? Is that how it goes? Sure. I um, decided to have a daily journal as part of my process, and I thought that would be a good way that would automatically provide me a way to talk to them every day. And so I, I create a prompt, and then they respond, and then I respond to them. Sometimes I feel like I'm writing more to them than they're writing, but uh, something we can work on for sure. Right. Well, it's all new for them. And I think a difficult thing for sixth graders in particular is they're not very good typists. Well, I don't even really think many seventh and eighth graders are very good typists. I agree. Um, that's something we talk about. And in fact, our district has put out some websites for students to practice typing as one of their extra little activities if they're looking for something to do just to become more proficient. It is a, a skill that's not learned. Right. So they're having to not only figure out this new classroom, but they're already learning how to write. And now on top of it, you have the typing challenge. So that's a lot going on. It really is. And you have parents home some of the places. Some, some parents aren't home and um, students are really in charge right now in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, could the student handwrite their responses and scan it and send it to you that way? Or is there okay. That's interesting you ask. Um, I had not thought of that initially, but a, a couple of students asked, can I handwrite it? I'd like to keep it in a journal. And I said, absolutely. And they're sending screenshots of their um, work. So again, trying new things every day. The students are asking and I'm saying, sure, let's try it. Yeah, that's great. So what's the general, how are the students holding up? I think Monday, um, in fact, my post on Monday was, what, what, what emotions are you feeling? I would say 75% used the word stressed, overwhelmed, freaked out, worried, a lot of words with negative connotations. And, um, and that 
added to my stress as well. But I think um, as the week's gone on and they've felt success, they're doing much better as a whole. Right. Here in Ohio, um, we keep hearing in the news how, uh, how the government is working to control the situation. And there's all this evidence of ways that they're working to control the situation. And I found my students were expressing that that was actually making them feel a little better. Like they could say, you know, it's not just out there and out of control. Like we're doing something, we're doing our part, you know, that kind of thing. So. I think it's funny. You're right. I've heard a lot of the students mentioning the government and I don't usually hear that from them. So I think they're listening more than maybe we've realized in the past or their, their ears are heightened right now. But I think they do feel a sense of, the people in the higher ups are, are attempting to make some sort of control and calmness. Right, right. And this is part of that for them. So you said you had some prompts and I had asked you um, when we talked prior to this, what were some of your best prompts? And you said that one of them was asking them, uh, you know, what emotion were they feeling? And um, I just wondered if there was something else that kind of came to mind in terms of some of the prompts and the responses. Well, I really wanted students to look beyond just the initial, the toilet paper and the grocery stores and, and don't wipe your face and all of those types of don'ts. I wanted them to look at the positives. And I found the quote um, by Mr. Rogers that he said his wife or his mother said, look at the helpers. When you see the news, look around and, and look for the helpers. And so I quoted that and asked students, where do they see people helping? And that has been an awesome response to read because they're all over the board from their own families, they're appreciating their parents to their teachers, all the way up to they appreciate what different areas of the government are doing, the people at Kroger's, the restaurants still staying open. So I think that was a great way to ask students to really look beyond the scary, as um, Mr. Rogers said. Look beyond the scary, yeah, yeah. That was, that was uh, this is a nice time in history to have Mr. Rogers suddenly surface as a, <laughs> you know, the quotable guy, right? Absolutely. Because he was so much about us um, being aware of kids' emotions and supporting them. You know, he was all about their emotional development, you know. Absolutely. And be a good neighbor. And I think that's going beyond just your neighbor next door as yeah. well. Right, right. Yes. Right now it means stay inside, right? That's mm -hmm. being a good neighbor, right? Um, so what you said that you were, that got you thinking about where, what you're going to do next with your students. Well, I created a poll today in Google Forms, which again, I've, these are all new modalities, new ways I'm reaching out to students all in a week. So <laughs> good for you. I, I am a little bit proud of myself as well. Um, <laughs> good. I created a Google Form and I've had over 50% respond um, this morning already and asking kind of where they wanted to go. Did they want to go more to a class novel, stick with the, the journal prompts? Um, I was wanting them to feel a little bit in control of what we're going to do. So next week we have four days of school before our official spring break. So we have decided as a class 
to stay with what we've been doing this week. And then uh, the following week, we'll look to some opportunities for some change. Yeah, possibly reading a novel. That led us to a discussion. I think um, a lot of our listeners homeschool, and they're um, often curious about how their kids are doing, you know, and what their kids are doing compared to seventh, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders in traditional school. And we were talking about um, how much are kids reading? And um, I also would like to broaden that to how much are kids writing? So in, in a typical semester, um, say, uh, what, what kind of reading would, would your students be doing? What kind of demands would they have in their reading in language arts? Most, in seventh and eighth grade, most of their reading is articles. We use informational texts um, and short stories. Their novels are usually more independent, not as many class novels when we are in seventh and eighth grade. In sixth grade, however, we usually do two or three class novels um, throughout the year and short stories. And then this time of year is when we would be getting more into the informational texts and really analyzing that type of writing. Mm -hmm. As far as writing, it's, it's every day. Um, we have large, pieces of writing, um, probably one a quarter, and then every day we're responding or writing in journals or text um, responses. And what, what kind of length or depth would you hope to get out of kids? And I know that probably varies across those three grades. In sixth grade, we really start with a sentence. Um, what is a good sentence? What makes up a good sentence? And this time of year, I have hoped that they can write a strong paragraph. Right now I would be transitioning into more of the traditional five paragraph essay with sixth grade. Um, and so that would probably be my biggest concern not working with them right now mm -hmm. is trying to get there remotely. So that's gonna be my challenge. Seventh and eighth grade were beyond the paragraph and it's three, four, five paragraphs every um, response or essay we do. Nice. And do you feel like the students have kind of kept that level this week, or do you think it's somewhat disrupted that? I would say it's, it, it's what I would expect from, from each student. I'm not seeing students that don't usually write a lot, all of a sudden write a lot this week. Mm -hmm. But I am seeing it paragraphs or beyond from my stronger writers that would naturally write that. So I haven't pushed a lot. This week was just figuring things out, um, maybe even next week, but then beyond, if we're still in this distance learning, I will be a little bit more critical of their writing. Right, right. What do you think your biggest challenge is right now? Well, probably just that. I, I want to play teacher. I want to play helper. And how can we improve? And I've had to step back and say, this week is, is not about learning content as much as checking in, being more aware of their emotional needs, and just letting them get used to this situation before I go back to more of the teacher mode. Now, can you have verbal conversation? I mean, I, I think you have videos, right? But can they interact with you back and forth? Well, um, 
our district had said, please wait, let us do a little bit of research and see what's going to be best from our district point of view. So initially we were going to try to use Google Meet and there were some issues with that. So we are moving to Zoom and uh, we have permission to start that next week. Oh, so nice. I'm nice. looking forward to that. Right. I was working with uh, a boy today and we talked for about 15 minutes past our session because he didn't, he wanted to talk and he didn't really want to stop. And it was just chit chat. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like heavy conversation, but you know, usually you think, you know, a 13 year old boy who comes and sees me after a school day to work on reading and writing, which is challenging, right? You know, when that clock hits the hour, you know, he is up, coat on, out the door, right? And uh, I mean, he is more, uh, a little more outgoing than that. But in general, you know, when we're done, we're done. And <clears throat> after being home all week, uh, he really wanted to talk. <laughs> that is so cute and understandable. Understandable. So I just wonder, you know, if that will present itself as opportunities to get a little more interaction, you know. I think I, so. When I've responded to the journals, I've tried to ask a question at the end of my response to just promote a little bit more um, response from them and, and let them know this isn't just a response. I, I want to continue our conversation. And I think that students have embraced that and I get a lot of cute questions back or students have even become cheerleaders for me and this was awesome, Mrs. Elam, or you did a great job, or I'm proud of you. And I'm Aww. like, wow, how cool. That is cool. So I had told you I was going to ask you this question, um, because if you're like me, you can never think of the name of anything on the spot. But I was wondering if you have certain books or stories, short stories even, I didn't think to ask the short story question, that uh, you like to use with your different grade levels. Maybe you can share some of that in what grade levels? Sure. Um, in sixth grade, the one that I really enjoy the most and the students and really also seem to take well to is A Long Walk to Water by Linda Sue Park. And it's about an 11-year-old boy that is thrown into war-stricken Sudan and has to survive for quite some time without his family. And Currently, I am working on that novel with my sixth graders remotely, and it's hope and perseverance, and I thought, what better themes than those to work with at this point? So I do enjoy that book. We also read Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech, and Freak the Mighty by Rodman Philbrick. And then some years, depending um, if I need a shorter novel, is Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt. I think the students really enjoy that, and there's lots of conversation that can come from the potential of living forever. Does that sound good or, or not? <laughs> In seventh grade, I like to do The Outsiders if it's the right class. I think that's a novel that's a little, can be edgy, and so I always want to make sure it's the right class that um, will appreciate those themes. I also enjoy The Giver and wonder. Um, the Westing Game for, for some students as just a fun puzzle book. Short story wise um, with seventh graders, I love to start the year with the short story Seventh Grade by Gary Soto. Um, even though it's 
an older setting, the students really enjoy the, the themes throughout that story. I also, in um, eighth grade, like to do an O. Henry unit to start the year and do a lot of his short stories that have the plot twist. Um, students enjoy that. So do you do Ransom of Red Chief and do you do Absolutely. it in the holidays? The Last Leaf. Uh-huh. The Last what? The Last Leaf. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, that one's good. Again, I just really like to find stories that bring up a lot of discussion. Um, they might not always appreciate the story themselves until we have that discussion and then students are like oh I get it I see this I enjoy let's debate it let's talk about it let's question it I agree I agree and I find that about myself mm -hmm. yeah yeah I always like talking about a book or a short story more with someone than just reading it and moving on any others you were going to say I want to make sure I didn't cut you off um, we do in eighth grade, we, we read Poe, a lot of Poe stories around October, I guess, just to <laughs> be in that time frame. Um, also in eighth grade, we usually, we go between the play version and, and the actual diary of Anne Frank. Um, oddly enough, we had just finished that, the play version prior to our distance learning so so we're able to in a small way feel how Anne and her family and friends felt being stuck in their secret annex for a little longer than we've been but it's a way the students can appreciate that a little bit more now that Absolutely. we're Absolutely. I think I that came to mind and you had made a comment online um, about, you know, this is a time in history and to get the kids journaling and uh, which prompted this conversation, your comment there. And you just think about uh, how nice that they have just been learning about Anne Frank to think about why you would want to write this down. Oh, and I think that has helped definitely with the buy-in for the eighth graders. By far their journals and responses and efforts have been pretty significant and, and I'd say it has a lot to do with having just had that experience in my class. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so what concerns you the most right now uh, other than wondering how you're gonna get more writing out of the kids during this time? Oh my goodness, I think I mentioned to you that I, I lost a lot of sleep a couple nights ago. I read an article about the isolation students are feeling and even though this special sixth seventh and eighth grade group wouldn't admit liking school they do they love coming to school they're such a social age they enjoy talking to their friends and being with their friends and even though they're on chats and facetime now they're really missing that so i feel for that I feel for the student that's sitting at home by his or herself all day and struggling and not sure what to do. Or on the contrary, the student that has um, family at home, but maybe it's not the best situation and school was their outlet. I worry about the students that are taking care of their siblings and trying to keep up with their own work um, and helping their student or their sisters and brothers 
keep their schoolwork going. So my mind is not shut off right now for a lot of reasons. Right. Uh, and, and for teachers who are also parents who I'm hearing are not only have to teach their kids, their classes, but also their kids at home. And you're probably feeling that stress a little bit, huh? Absolutely. My students, um, my boys at home are on spring break, so they start up next week. So we will see how that goes. Um, currently, I'm having them journal um, and then do some other supplemental things just to keep their minds going. But we'll see how next week goes with my schedule and their schedule. I have a spontaneous question for you. I hope you don't mind me throwing this out at you, but um, one of the most common questions I get with writing is, how do you help kids write about the writer's style? Mm. I find that so interesting. Yeah. Do they struggle with that? Is that what you're... Uh, well, I think, you know, I think a lot of people are like, what am I really looking for? And how do I help kids see that? Mm-hmm. And then how do we write about it? You know, Absolutely. I think that's why I like to work with O. Henry at the beginning of eighth grade year. We read three, four, sometimes five stories um, by O. Henry and look through for common themes. We look at commonalities in the characters and the setting. Um, with him, you know, in particular, the, the plot twist at the end is, is common with his writing. So... I like to do that. I think that's helpful. I think when they're doing their own writing, I think it's also helpful then to have some sort of text as a mentor text that's showing examples that you want them to also include. And that's a way to look at a writer's craft as well. So you're doing it through a different lens, more as a writer than than a reader. But those are a couple of ways I, I incorporated in my class. Right. Do you think you could give an example of a lesson on um, using a mentor text for our listeners? Um, that is something, I don't know if you've heard of the Ohio Writing Project. We have started working with them the last probably three years in my district, and they introduced the idea of using a mentor text to our English department. I right away thought, wow, this is amazing. Seems so simple, but I had never thought to do that. So a couple of examples, we were working on dialogue um, in our narrative stories and students just were not getting it. I, I did lesson after lesson, we tried some worksheets, things like that, and it still was not carrying into their writing. So I provided them a couple fun stories, Magic Treehouse, um, just <laughs> lower levels that they would have read in third and fourth grade that had great times and examples of dialogue. And so then I would be able to say every time they would ask, is this right, Mrs. Elam? Am I doing it right? I could then say, look at the mentor text. How are they doing it? What's, what's it look like in that story? And that eased down on the questions and gave a little more ownership to the student. Nice. Interesting. I, I never thought about using Magic Treehouse. Yeah. And almost every child has read it at one point or another. So that's mm-hmm. really a great one. Well, um, I would love to hear from you again in, I don't know, when, how long might we be at this? 
They're talking maybe end of the school year now, right? They are. I, I cannot, I truly am trying to imagine that and I cannot at this time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, what I'm interested is to talk again at the end of the school year and see, um, you know, what we would both say is, has, uh, where, where has the growth been? You know, what have we learned as teachers here that maybe we, we didn't see before? What was that one technique that, gosh, you know, like now I'm going to use that whether the kids are in front of me or not, you know? I'm very interested in that out of this whole process. And while I'm journaling, I'm also trying to add in those things and examples and reflections. And hopefully I'll find those key things that work well. Mm -hmm. I think John Hattie said it well, and I think it applies now more than ever when he said, teachers see learning through the eyes of students and help them become their own learners. And I think right now, more than ever, we are helping them become their own learners while they're yeah. out there. Yeah, you're right. I, I liked your comment about their ownership, them having to have more ownership and all this. And by the way, I love John Hattie as well. So of course, Katie, of course. That's someone we both know. <laughs> um, so what are you reading right now for yourself then? Oh, goodness. I just um, finished Atomic Habits. I think you are reading that or are reading that's it. That's the one well. I'm reading right now. Yeah. Yes, I'm finding that truly um I'm embracing that in, in a lot of areas, not just um, our workout area in which we were initially um, sh um, shared the book, but I'm getting ready to read Educated. I have not read that book uh, mm -hmm. on my nightstand, probably starting it this weekend. Um, I just feel like it's one I need to, to read. It's been out for, a, a, what, two years now, I think. Yeah, and, right, right. Uh, so I'm, that's my next read. Right. Um, yeah, usually I have my own personal one and uh, whatever my book club is reading and um, Tracy, uh, it was her turn to pick the book club book, so she picked Atomic Habits. So now I don't have that second one, but I am, uh, I'm going to work on a project that I think I'm going to share online on the book Crispin. And uh, so I had read that with my kids. I mean, we're talking decades now. Yes. Uh, uh, but I'm reading it again, and it's so well written. What a what a great book! So uh, it is, and and then the social studies tie in as well. I think that's really nice. nice. Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, so, and you know, it happens to be, I think, a time period too that almost every kid can embrace. So that's that's good. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I usually have some student book on one shelf, you know, one side of my bed, and and my personal one on the other, and. I like it. It's kind of the way I go to. Well, I have not started journaling, and you have inspired me to to start that. I uh, did have done some writing with the kids this week on how they're feeling and how they're doing, and so I've done some writing there, and so I'm going to try to keep with it as well. Oh, I'm so proud of you, Rita. I think you'll, <laughs> you'll appreciate that. <laughs> well, um, and I have a lot of writing to do. I, I'm behind in my blogs and all of that. So there, there'll be a lot of writing to come. But I really appreciate you sharing, um, you know, what your experience is and your insight. And I just think this is such a great time, you know, for we educators to really join ranks and share ideas. And we see that already, right? Absolutely. I was mentioning on Facebook. I'm in a group um, and it's teachers all over the world and I would have never have stepped into that but 
I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying reading their stories, their ideas, and it, it works across the globe. So, right. You know, one of my, uh, and, uh, I don't know if I want to call it an advantage. I definitely think um, when you look at deep learning, it kind of is that um, I'm able to uh, help kids delve deeply into topics. Mm -hmm. um, I have that freedom, you know, uh, although some of them come to me and they have projects and they're due and they are due really quickly. And, you know, we just have to kind of be more in get it done mode. Um, I have lots of time here and there with kids where we can do those deeper projects. And uh, we were talking about that you actually are in this kind of unique situation right now as an educator. Can you just share that in terms of depth of learning? I, right, I think being able to have a little bit more freedoms, um, my district has not necessarily put specifics on what we need to accomplish or where we need to go. They're pretty open. They're wanting us mostly to think emotional needs of students and um, support. And I'm excited to, like I mentioned earlier, ask the students, what do you want to learn about? What, what would be best for you? What would keep you engaged? And um, so my poll today, another question was, do you want to stick with working on things dealing with the coronavirus? Or do you want to go in a different direction? And, um, or do you want to have a mix? And right now we're at about 70% that want to mix. Let's stay a little bit with the coronavirus so we can, they're really enjoying the journaling but um, can we work on some other topics as well? So talk about something else. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. I think that's really an interesting question, you know, and what I find is, you know, my daughter just did this with me. Um, we were having a conversation and then later she said, all we did was talk about the virus. And I thought, well, in the midst of the conversation, she was talking about it too. Right. But I think we all kind of feel that like we need to talk about it. And then all of a sudden we're done with it. You know? Absolutely. I saw a, a meme that said, what did we talk about before coronavirus? And I feel so much like that's true right now. What did we talk about? But right. Although I just uh, had a little lunch meeting with friends and we all ended expressing how much we cared about each other. And how often does that go on? Right? No, I think so. I went for a, um, a walk yesterday and I, I waved and smiled and had conversations from a distance more than ever throughout my neighborhood. And it just felt awesome. Right. Normally you might have just had headphones in, right? <laughs> My eyes down. Absolutely. Yeah, eyes down. Right. Right. Well, thank you for meeting with me and let's talk again. Let's check I would love that. Okay. All Thanks, right. Yeah. Take care.